On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. Now, there is paralysis yet again in the Northern Ireland political system and landscape. We have elections coming up. We're not being told by the Northern Secretary, Chris Heaton-Harris, what date they're going to happen. And more talks about that date and how they'll all be carried out will be taking place in Stormont in the week ahead. So it's a very difficult time. And we thought we'd be asked to join the programme. The Ulster Unionist leader, Doug Beatty, and talk to him about all these issues. You're very welcome to the show, Doug. How are you doing, Emmett? As I said, you are, you've been told there are elections, fresh elections. You haven't been told when. You haven't been told you know, the whole mechanics of it, etc. More talks with the Northern Secretary are lined up. Where do you discern things are at the moment? I mean, it looks very murky, the whole picture. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a mess, to be, to be perfectly honest. But we, look, we've been very clear that um, elections will not fix our problems. We, we can have an elections and then... Uh, on the 15th of, of December, on polling day, people will vote. And then after that, uh, we'll be no further forward. Um, so elections will not fix it. All it will do is polarise our society even more than it is now, creating more division and driving people into the trenches. So we have argued that while there's more things that can be done, then let's do it. If there's ever an opportunity, let's use that opportunity to try and find out where the issues are, which we know is the protocol, and let's see what we could do to deal with it. I think the last possible date we can call an election is the 8th of November in order to have polling day on the 15th of December. So I guess that's the new target that we're all working to, towards. Um, but look, we, we're, we're up to give solutions. Yeah, the strange thing about it is if you look at the reports about the talks between the EU and Britain over the protocol itself, which is obviously absolutely central to all of this, you hear a lot of people saying it's very technical, it's complex, it's going to be long drawn out. You know, there's a lot of moving parts in it. So so it, it doesn't sound, if, ever, if everyone's waiting for some big deal there to happen soon, it ain't going to happen. So it's kind of hard to see how the whole thing gets freed up on, on that basis. Well, yes. If, if if you look at uh, at the whole thing in in its to, in its total, and, and that is, you know, looking at the issue of trade or VAT or state aid or, or the ECJ, if people think that's going to be sorted out in a week, then then it certainly is not going to be. But if you can take a chunk of that, if you can look at something and say, well, here is something we can deal with, uh, and we can deal with quite quickly and quite effectively. Let's say trade, uh, the red lanes and the green lanes. If we can put something out there to say, this is what we've done. This is how we can deal with it. We now have data sharing sorted out. Um, so we can stop doing checks on goods that come from Great Britain to Northern Ireland if they're staying in Northern Ireland. If if we can even get that out, then it shows people that that there's genuine uh, work happening to to fix the problems around the protocol, and that should give people the the ability to get the executive up and running again. Because that's what we have to do. Is it's 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 that simple. And and the Ulster Unionist Party have said that we will go into the executive tomorrow, today, you know, yesterday, um, last week. You know, we have to start providing for the people of Northern Ireland um, while at the same time dealing uh, with the issues around the protocol. It can be done. I think it should be done that way. Now, you got into a, a bit of social media hot water, which is pretty easy to get uh, to happen these days, when you said um, joint authority was completely out. Um, a lot of people thought you were being a little bit absolutist and saying, well, you know, you won't be the one deciding that on your own. Can you just explain a bit what, what your thinking was there? Because you got a big nationalistic backlash. Well, look, I, I, you, you get backlash because people have different opinions, and I, I respect other people's opinions, um, and I hope they can expect accept my opinions. But joint authority is a, a legal construct. Oh, joint authority means delving into strand one issues, uh, and that is not in the Belfast Good Friday Agreement. Uh, and therefore, if you're going to have joint authority, what you're really doing is throwing the Belfast Good Friday Agreement in the bin, uh, and you're starting from scratch. I think people are slightly confused. 
there is a there is a point where where the Irish government have spoken and had influence in regards to issues uh, in Northern Ireland and in regards to Strand Three issues. And in fact, the new decade, new approach uh, document w- w- was was worked through by the Irish and the British governments. So I think people are getting confused about working together for the for the betterment of Northern Ireland uh, and joint authority. And do you think, uh, like joint authority, you're talking about it there in the short term, in the context of all these talks and the protocol and all the rest of it, but is joint authority on the table long term? I mean, is, is, it a, is it a possible constitutional fix to Northern Ireland's problem? However much you might not like it, or but is, is, it, is it one of the things that's in there over the next... United Ireland is discussed endlessly, so... Why not put it on the table? Joint authority is, is just as valid as a, a constitutional destination for a lot of people. Well, then people need to make a, a decision. Are they saying that we're no longer going to adhere to uh, the Belfast Good Friday Agreement? You know, that was an agreement which balanced the unbalanceable. Uh, that is what a sustained peace. That is what we as a party, the Ulster Unionist Party, uh, helped negotiate. And where we do need to deal with some of the issues around it, uh, we do not need to trash it. Uh, completely. But if we go to joint authority, that's what we're saying we're going to do. So um, people can can call for joint authority, but they need to be clear. If they want joint authority, they want to throw the Belfast Good Friday Agreement in the bin. And the Belfast Good Friday Agreement was voted for by referendum, both Northern Ireland and in the Irish Republic, uh, and the people voted in favour of it. So that's what I'm working on. That's what I will continue to stand up for. Uh, And those people who are not getting the executive up and running or those people who are trying to undermine that agreement, um, they, they will have a fight on their hands with me. Now, in terms of what your your platform is, obviously the DUP will, will do what they want to do, but the UUP platform, I mean, what are you going to be saying in this election? I mean, you're, you're saying on this phone call to me, well, we don't really need this election anyway. It, it's a bit of a mess, which I, I all think we, most of us would sympathise with. But what will you be saying to voters? Like, you know, vote for us in an election we think is unnecessary anyway. It, it's, it's going to be a strange kind of platform for you. No, it, you know, elections are elections. Elections, you stand up and you... You tell the people what you want. You, you outline what your vision is. And I've been clear previously, and, and I'm clear now, that, that our vision is for a union of people in Northern Ireland. And that is regardless of religion, regardless of sexual orientation, uh, regardless of community backgrounds. That is people working together, using the economy as a vehicle to, to make sure that our health service is up to scratch, our infrastructure makes people more connected, um, that, uh, that our education is properly funded, that there are uh, jobs so our young people can wake up in the morning with a sense of purpose and go to bed at night with a sense of uh, fulfilment and deal with, with the housing issue that we have here in Northern Ireland. These may be boring p- 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 bits of politics that people sort of don't don't get enthused so much about, but actually they are the mainstay of making Northern Ireland successful for all of its people. And, and that's what I will be standing on. You know, nothing has changed from the last election to this election. I mean, in terms, um, in terms of the, you, you, you may be well familiar with the concept of unionist unity. I mean, it was something, particularly in the 1980s, in opposition to the Anglo-Irish Agreement, it was something that was very much to the fore in politics. And sometimes even electoral pacts were often mentioned between the two parties. Yourselves and the DUP today, you know, there seems to be just nothing of that. It seems to be fur- further drifting apart more than ever. I mean, what, what, what do you think of where, where you're going in terms of across unionism? Is there any sort of sign of a rapprochement between the two parties? Is there ways you can work with each other? Do you even want to work with each other? Do you think that's even a healthy thing in the first instance? Well, listen, you, you, you've got to remember, Emma, and this is, this is really important, that there are things that, 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 that myself and, 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 and Jeffrey Donaldson, the DUP, will agree on. Of course, we are, we are a unionist party. We, we believe that, United, that Northern Ireland's place in the United Kingdom is the best place for it to be. Others will have a differing uh, view. We are also agreed that the protocol was a bad deal, uh, and, and we're doing all that we can uh, to stop that. But 
but they've decided to go down the route of of uh, collective punishment. So everybody is being punished for a protocol which, which in many ways was brought about by Brexit, which they championed. We are of a position where we believe that you can walk and chew gum at the same time. That means getting executive up and running to provide for the people, particularly now where there's a cost of living crisis, uh, and at the same time deal with the issues around the protocol. Actually, some of the issues around the protocol, which we are dealing with the protocol, we first championed in 2019, are actually the main focus of the negotiations today as we speak. So we are vindicated in the direction that we're going. Um, and, And I just cannot support anybody who feels that allowing our people to suffer is a way to deal with a political issue. But when you read the the census data from about a month ago, did you not say to yourself, whoa, these are big, impactful results. They they change a lot. It's not just the demographics, but the politics underneath the demographics. Did that not sort of almost prompt you to say, "We, we as unionists, we need to have a new kind of cohesive movement across unionism based on these figures? Because if we don't, being fractured is going to become more and more of a liability just in terms of the raw numbers. Was that not your instinctive reaction when you saw that data landing about a month ago from the census? Well, well, well yeah, you look at you, you look at data and, and you can look at it in, in various different ways, Emmett, and, and we looked at it and analysed it uh, in, in quite serious detail. Uh, and a lot of the conversations are being had which are behind closed doors are saying that that unionism needs to change its direction on how it deals with things and particularly change its language um, and, and, and how we engage with, with people. I mean, look, unionism is viewed as absolutely being uh, negative. Uh, and, and I'm trying to say, look, let's be confident and let's be positive unionists. Let's be um, uh, all-encompassing. Let's reach out to people. And I said that to you as a union of, of people. And people are agreeing with me behind closed doors, but then they come out in front of the media uh, and it's poking the eye politics again. And I just don't, I don't get it and I don't understand it. We need to grow unionism. And if we want to grow that pro-union message, we need to reach out to people with a confident, positive uh, message, not, not negativity all of the time or this no, no, no politics. I just, I just don't understand understand that. So people really need to stop and think and, and come out and understand where young people are going these days and, and what they're not going for is for a negative a negative viewpoint of their future. Yeah, and I suppose you're more subjected to people support leading away to the Alliance Party. So I suppose you have a vulnerability there that the DUP probably less so. I know there are obviously people who were ex-DUP voters who've gone over to the Alliance, but it's generally conventional wisdom that the UUP have have more of a vulnerability to that counterclaim from the Alliance Party, that more middle-of-the-road position. I mean, do you see yourselves as a bit kind of a, that, that edgy part of your base is a little bit vulnerable to the Alliance snatching it away? Well, well, look, you know, we, we, we're all we're all vulnerable at at some stage or another, and I could go into a whole range of statistics with you, uh, Emmett. But but you know, we, we'd we'd lose the listeners. Um, you know, so we're all vulnerable at some stage. But people need to understand as well. And here's a here's a huge demographic that people don't talk about, and that is the non-voters. The largest demographic in Northern Ireland are those people who do not vote, and two thirds of those known voters are are pro-union. You know, so it's not just about tapping into uh, pro-union within the Alliance Party or disenfranchised DUP voters. It's also about making, giving a vision for those people who don't vote and the reasons why they don't vote. And they don't vote because nobody is setting out a vision for them. So, you know, we're all vulnerable, but we can all reach out and, and give a vision and people can buy into that vision. Then you can bring those votes along with you. 
Well, um, I think so, yeah, I think the language you're using is is very interesting. It is much more inclusive, which we we often don't hear from from across unionism. Unfortunately, I have to leave it there, Doug. Thank you very much for the conversation. You've got a, a week of talks ahead of you. I know you'll be heavily involved, and it's very much a case of talks about talks about talks, which are about talks, which are about talks. But that tends to be the nature of what happens in Northern Ireland. But that is Doug Beattie, who is the leader of the Ulster Unionist Party here on the record. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Evan. On the record with Gavin Riley. Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation. On News Talk.